Every time I watch that video, I get a little bit more fired up. I think that is so awesome. And so the thing that I love about the story of the Holy Spirit that's found in Acts chapter 2 that we saw that's kind of recreated in that video is that it doesn't stop at the end of chapter 2. The work of the Holy Spirit and the story of the Holy Spirit doesn't stop in Acts chapter 2. Actually, from that point on, the work of the Holy Spirit in and through the believers is chronicled through the remainder of the New Testament. And then it's continued to be chronicled in the lives of the believers and the followers of Jesus, much like you and me from the beginning of the church until today. The work of the Holy Spirit has not stopped. And last week, we, Pastor Jason started a, ser- a sermon on the Holy Spirit called The Ten Works of the Spirit, and it's part of our AD series. And, and, and he got through one point last week, and if you remember, he told you that, that he had ten points. And I promise you he wasn't lying. When he sent me his notes, it was ten points. And I was like, there's no way I'm getting through all of them. So I'm going to take a few, and then next week, Pastor Jason's going to wrap this thing up for us. But last week, he got through the first point, and that is the Holy Spirit exalts Jesus. It is always the Spirit's mission to exalt Jesus. We got to understand that it was never God's intention to give us the Spirit so we could get caught up in the gifts or we could get caught up in praying in a different language, also known as praying in tongues. No, God's complete intention with pouring out His Spirit upon us, upon the believers, upon the church, is that it would empower us to continue the work of Jesus Christ on the earth. And Jesus himself tells us in the Bible that after he goes to be with the Father and the Spirit comes down upon us, we will continue his work in the earth and then we will even do greater things than he did. The Spirit did not come to glorify the Spirit. No, the Spirit came to glorify Jesus and to make to us very real the relationship that we have with Jesus. The Spirit has come so that we might be deeply impressed with the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And then we'll go away excited about his work. The gifts are very necessary. Why? Because they thrust us into the mission and in the work of Jesus. The purpose of the Spirit is to exalt Jesus and let him be lifted up. The second point of this message is that the Holy Spirit convicts us. It says in the Bible in John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11, Jesus identified an inner conviction as the work of the Spirit. And this is what it says. It says, when he comes, when the Spirit comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world stands condemned. See, the Holy Spirit convicts us in a good way. Because we all know that there's kind of two kinds of conviction, right? There's an earthly conviction that might lead to jail. But then there's this good conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that conviction leads us to redemption. And that's what the Spirit does. He convicts us of our unbelief in Jesus so that we might stop the unbelieving And then we might start believing in Jesus. And that way we could be redeemed. The Spirit wants to reverse the unbelief and then give us belief in Christ. Secondly, the Spirit wants to affirm to us the righteousness of Jesus. The Pharisees said that Jesus was the devil. But the Spirit tells us that Jesus is from the Father. And the Holy Spirit desires to reverse the world's verdict of Jesus. 
Why? Because the world has judged him as either an imposter or as simply one of the prophets. But the Spirit's mission is to affirm the righteousness of Jesus inside of us. And the Spirit calls on us to look to Jesus alone for salvation. Lastly, the Spirit brings an acknowledgement that judgment has already been passed against the devil. Isn't that awesome? The Holy Spirit brings us the knowledge that Satan is already a defeated foe. So that when we're going through the trials in life and we're in the thick of it and we don't know how we can last any longer, we can stand on the promise and we can stand firm that God, that we can do all things through Christ who's given us strength because the devil has already been defeated. Isn't that amazing? The third point of this message is that the Holy Spirit regenerates us. Jesus said in John chapter 3 verse 5, Very truly I tell you, No one can enter into the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and of the Spirit. Spiritual regeneration comes through the Spirit's presence. Jesus acted on this truth when on the evening of his resurrection, he breathed on the disciples and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit in John chapter 20. Until that point, the faith of the disciples had been identical to every other Old Testament saint. The disciples were still looking forward to the Messiah who would one day come. And then there was Jesus. And they're like, he's here. The Messiah is here. The king is here. He's going to abolish the Romans. He's going to sit over on the throne of David over Israel. But then all of a sudden, Jesus died. And their faith was shattered. But now all of a sudden, because of Jesus' resurrection, his work was finished on the cross. And he stood before the disciples as proof that the work on the cross had merit. They received an opportunity that no one before them had ever received. And that was the opportunity to believe in Jesus who is life. No longer do they have anticipatory faith. But now they have evidence that Jesus' work was finished on the cross. And Jesus breathed on them and gave them a, a new life and a new sense. See, at creation, God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, and the Son, they gave us life on earth when they formed us. And it says in Genesis 2-7, man, from the dust of the ground, that, that, excuse me, it says, God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. But then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, man sinned, and man failed. And so what happened is God flooded the earth and he tried to restart with Noah. But a chapter later, we find Noah drunk and naked in front of his kids and man failed again. And then Jesus tried, I mean, God tried to restart with Abraham. Then what happened? The Israelites kept failing and kept failing and kept failing. And so God said, instead of restarting a new creation, because all it's going to do is fail, I'm going to send my son to atone for the sins. And Jesus breathed in us. New life through the Holy Spirit. And that new life is eternal. The fourth point of this message is that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. And Paul's words to the church of Corinth were addressed to the people who had become so insensitive to the Spirit's presence in their life and so insensitive to the Spirit's presence in the midst of the church. And so Paul had to remind them 
that he had to remind the church that although they were filled with a lot of things from this world that were not of the spirit, God's spirit still lived inside of them. And the key to change, the key to change in your life, the key to change in your family, the key to change in this community is to acknowledge that the spirit of God resides inside of us. And because it resides inside of us, it resides inside the body of the church. We are that body. The Spirit's presence helps us to resist the power of the devil. In many ways, our life is somewhat like a submarine. And like a submarine, the deeper it dives, the greater the pressure of the sea is against it. And so to keep that submarine from crunching up into a little ball, the pressure on the inside has to become greater. And so just like that, the deeper we dive into this world and into the things of the devil, and I'm not saying the deeper we dive into sin, but the longer that we live in this world, the longer that we have to deal with the things of this world, the greater the pressure of the devil is against us. Therefore, greater has to be the pressure inside of you. Greater, therefore, has to be the spirit inside of you so that it will push outwardly. It will, it will come out of you and resist the devil. And we cannot successfully deal with sin on our own. It is only when we come to God and we say, Lord, fill me full of the Holy Spirit and give me the abiding presence of Jesus. It is only then when we overcome sin. And it is clear in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. In Romans 8.11 it says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14 says, Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you being the good news of Jesus. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. So I ask you a question this morning. When was the last time that you let that revelation, that you let the knowledge of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, when was the last time you let that affect the way you lived your daily lives? I would argue that if you woke up tomorrow and you were like, oh, the Spirit doesn't live in me, your day would go on normally. But what needs to happen is we need to wake up every day rejoicing and knowing that we can walk through the day. We can walk through the trials. Why? Because God has given us his spirit and the spirit lives inside of us. And it should very, very much change the way we live life every day. It should change the way we communicate with people. It should change the way that we deal with crisis. I ask you, when's the last time you let that happen? When's the last time you let the Spirit change the way you lived your daily lives? The fifth point of this message is that the Holy Spirit seals the believers. The Apostle Paul wrote in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14, that when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. He also wrote, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So what that means is, is that when you become a believer, God takes his invisible stamp of ownership, and that is the Holy Spirit, and he brands your life. 
His presence in your life is the mark that you belong to God. Paul also said that the Holy Spirit is a down payment that guarantees you're completely Christ's. So let's think of a house. And when we say, we say that a house is sold, when, when a contract has been entered into, when a lease has been signed, when a mortgage has been signed, and the house is put in escrow, and then placed on the for sale sign is a sold notice. But the house is not really sold until it clears escrow. And so hopefully the person who put the payment down on the house has enough assets to complete the transaction. And so if we use that analogy for our own lives, we think about this. And Paul said that there's coming a day when you'll be completely God's in eternity. Right now on this earth, you are in escrow. And the Holy Spirit has put that saved sign across your life. And you are marked as, as God's when the Holy Spirit comes in your life. And he sealed you. Of course, there is a, there's a very real possibility that you could walk away from the faith and you could make that choice. That's very real. But if you don't, if you choose to run the race, if you choose to finish strong, if you choose to live life with the Holy Spirit inside of you, one day you're going to be totally outside of this world and you're going to be completely in eternity and we're going to be completely God's. Fortunately, we don't have to worry about the good credit of the one who's buying us because he showed us on the cross that his assets are sufficient. And when the sold sign or when the saved sign goes up over our life, that guarantees our redemption. And so today I want to end with a question. I'm gonna end, I'm gonna ask a question that's that I want to challenge you guys for, for future for the future. So that when you walk out today, you're thinking about this. And maybe you don't have the answer of it today, and that's fine. I'm not asking you to. I just want to challenge you. So I'm gonna ask you a question, and then I'm gonna pray, and then Richard's gonna come and play. And he's gonna play a song, and and and, and I I I just want to challenge you guys. See, this isn't a question of salvation because maybe you're not to that point. Maybe you don't know if you're ready to be saved. Maybe you don't know if you're ready to live this Christian life. Or maybe you've been saved for 30 years or you've been saved for, for, for 50 years. Who knows? But this isn't a question of salvation. And this also isn't a question of who's ready to come and have me lay hands and be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. No, 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 this isn't that. Because maybe this whole Holy Spirit thing is still new to you and you don't know. My question to you today is this. Are you willing to open yourself up and allow God to do a work in your life and through your life? This question, I believe, is a preliminary question, kind of, maybe to salvation, but definitely to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because you might be saved and you might believe in God, but there still might be something that's closing you off from allowing the Lord to work in through your life. And so that's my question to you.
Are you open to allowing God to live inside of you and to work in your life and to work through your life? I want to challenge, with you, challenge you with that today. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to leave this place wondering, is there anything inside of me that's holding me back? Is there anything that I'm holding on to that's keeping me from? Is there anything that's restricting me from allowing God to completely and totally take over my life and work in me and work through me? Bow your heads.